Throughout our 100-plus episodes, we have discussed a multitude of topics relating to relationships and navigating various aspects and experiences that may occur. Everything from attachments and sacrifice and compromise to friendships and voids outside of the relationships and even an exercise on listing our priorities to see how they compare to our mates. But what we didn't have is an episode that ties many of these all together in what I am now deeming this as the intro to conscious relationships. After listening, if there are any aspects of what we discuss that you want to go deeper into, feel free to check out the show notes where we will have all the links to all the past episodes that you can dive deeper into those various topics. And this episode gives us the perfect opportunity to remind you that we love to hear your shared experiences. If you try some of these concepts out and they end up making a difference to you and your relationships or your own personal growth, we'd love to hear it. And you can share these experiences on our Facebook, our Facebook group, as a YouTube comment on this episode, or even leave a review and a rating on iTunes. Even if you have questions, we'd love to hear them but we appreciate any interactivity or sharing of the podcast that you have done and will do in the future. And now, as I ascend into a moment of gratitude for you all, I want to thank you for working on you and let's journey. Uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. We are leaving the external behind and going internally beyond the mind. These are the wise wise. Alexander, how are you? I'm feeling it today, man. I'm looking forward to this topic. All right, yeah. And the topic is around relationships, which I feel like is where our bread and butter is or maybe other people's bread and butter because I think that's really where many people's problems are happening in their lives and I think maybe it's where they would like to start out their practice and we're definitely going to give them a lot to to think about today. Yes and I think using relationship because that is a big draw for most people and most people do see their obstacles in their life showing up mostly in that environment. And part of that is that's who they spend the majority of their time with. So we'll get into explaining some terms such as emotional triggers that people um, activate in us from past uh, scarring or traumas, as well as roles that we play for other people to work through these things. So it really breaks down into understanding the difference that we're going to explain today between self-development work and relationship work and how they both intermix, but they get very confused. And so we're hoping to clear up some of that. Would you also say that maybe one reason why many people suffering is in relationships is because they do rely on the relationship to 
fulfill voids that they may have internally? That's a great question, and I hope to answer it with what I'm going into, but if I get off, I want you to bring me back to that. There's this thing with codependency in relationships. That term is still seen, I feel like, pretty negatively, and it doesn't have to be seen negatively because some people are designed to be more codependent than others. So it doesn't have to be something negative. It can be something healthy, but we've got to at least be able to look at that term neutrally. And when codependency is present, there is a fear or lack of responsibility that's being taken. So here's the very first step that when there's codependency present and you're trying to work with self-development or develop the relationship to go to deeper levels, responsibility is one of the key aspects of doing self-growth work. You have to hold yourself more accountable than the average person. And see, there's always a handicap. There's already an obstacle to overcome when that codependency is there on one person or a lot of times it's with both people that are involved. So there's responsibility avoidance going on sometimes in both situations, but both parties or trying, they may be even going to events and reading books, and they really want to change. But this is where I see a lot of frustration. And so bring me back around. If that didn't answer your question, I just wanted to make sure that we got that out as well. It does in a way, and I have more that I want you to expand upon because it was good that you reflected back to me the codependency when looked at neutrally is not a negative thing. You're right. It can't have that negative connotation, even though I would say the majority of relationships are codependent. And I feel like what's missing in that is consciousness. Where are these people codependent? Where is it in their energetic makeup? And obviously, we can look at the human design and maybe the destiny cards to look at the energies that each person is bringing to that relationship. And then that's where the consciousness can come in. So we can consciously say that this person would or is seeking this energy because they have an absence of that. And this person would fulfill that for them. And that's probably what or one of the reasons why they were attracted to each other. Mm -hmm. But I think codependency may have that negative aspect to it because nobody's really conscious about it and it's like we're all just trying to hook in <laughs> we all just have like plugs hanging from us and we're just mm -hmm. trying to plug into whoever is going to give it to us you know yeah it's because i want to give it in a view like this that say you have something like asthma or something that keeps you from breathing as well as you possibly could but then you got in a relationship with somebody that could breathe excellent and if you could learn through this example, working with them and how they breathe, and maybe they have breathing exercises and they actually work on it intentionally and they have great stamina with their breath through exercise, normally there's some intention behind that. And so the reason that polarities or opposites attract is so that we can utilize each other to become optimal. But if that person doesn't want to learn to breathe better, 
then this person is going to continue to grow in that direction and breathing and enjoying life and being outside and that type of thing. But the one that carries the restriction as the relationship goes on, they'll stop wanting to do as much and just wean away from experiences with that partner because it interferes with their breathing. So looking at why or what would possibly be the reason of all of this polarity and opposites attracting in relationships. And that's why, you know, I named this philosophy, the just philosophy as acronyms for journeys, unite, seeking transformation. But we have to do the work to transform. We can't depend or be codependent on that person just always playing that certain role. That's not growing. We have the opportunity to work together on each other's weaknesses, utilizing our strengths so that you can become more of a whole. And another way that I like to share it is in the idea of a child ideally receiving from equally the masculine and the feminine energies. And we're not talking gender here. So if it is a male and female that are the parents the male doesn't just have to carry the masculine energies. He can work on his feminine side to be just as nurturing potentially as the mother. And the mother can work to be just as authoritative as the father. And then they can see not get stuck in playing gender roles with their kids. They can go back and forth and trade the responsibility. And that's what helps to create a balance. And it doesn't matter about the gender of the parents. It's about the energy that they are strong in and energies that they're weak in. And once again, normally opposites attract in that no matter the gender. It was great that you brought in an example for that codependency. But could you just possibly give another example of what a relationship codependency would look like? Well, many times in our culture, a big one is the financial, that one person does really well in the world making money, and many times they will pair up with someone that doesn't necessarily have as much drive to generate money. Maybe they want to stay home with the kids, be a homemaker, something like that. So there's nothing wrong with that setup until the person at home or the person that's making the money starts to resent their role and that they don't want to play it anymore. And this is where communication becomes a very big deal because how we express our feelings or our concerns or our emotions is really what's being ex expressed. It creates defense mechanisms. It activates emotional triggers, as we've said from the past, and normally creates a reaction rather than a response. And when there's reaction present, that means that there are emotions present and things are not being communicated consciously. So to see that both parties have to be comfortable in themselves and how they represent their thoughts, their emotions, their verbiage, in order to keep that so-called conscious communication. So sometimes we can get caught up into depending on somebody for a certain period of time, but I like to suggest with couples especially to start communicating as soon as you can about a change that you're starting to feel so that you give both parties time to work on this adjustment consciously together. 
But many times, unfortunately, it's not brought up until it's at almost an emergency level and it creates a lot of friction in trying to change. So it can be emotional codependency to where every single problem that one person has, they have to call the other one or contact the other one to get a solution because they're not a solution-oriented thinker. They're a problem-oriented thinker, and their partner is solution-oriented. So throughout the whole day, they're getting texts and calls about wanting advice. And see, a lot of times in the beginning, the person giving the advice or being asked for the advice, they feed off of that feed of the ego getting fed of I'm so needed. But they don't realize that over a long period of time, that becomes a very big burden. So there's many different types of codependency. And please don't right away go into defense and say, well, he's not talking to me. Here's something that I want to ask the listeners to do. To just realize how much time alone you can really spend comfortably. Now, some people might think that they want time alone because they run their family all the time. But the realistic part of that is if you go and get alone, you will probably be uneasy. You think that it's what you want, but it really takes most people either for it to be in their divine nature or lots of practice to truly be comfortable being alone, providing for yourself. That means providing all of your happiness, which is what's necessary anyway. So, you know, take a test sometime and try to get away by yourself if you can for a few days or for a day or for a week and truly do your best not to engage with people, to just be with yourself and see how comfortable you truly are with your thoughts, with how much joy you can find and bring to yourself. And that's just the best way, rather than having a judgment already prepared, do a little experiment, and it could provide some interesting results. Yeah, I would say that joy is a good key there because if somebody's depressed, they could say that they want to be alone, but really they're not enjoying themselves just you know being alone with that mm-hmm. yeah and you can see how maybe the first step to wanting uh, to enter into a, an intentional or conscious relationship or maybe work backwards in one that you're already in like the first step is really defining where these voids or where these codependencies are so that you're aware of them instead of us going through a relationship being like, why are they doing this to me? And those mm-hmm. are the external whys that we're talking about. And we're flipping that around to ask internally, why do we feel this way? Yeah. So coming in on what you just said, I think this is important to clear up is, and you're correct, that most people ask, why am I feeling this way? What we're really working to add to that, to change the whole perception is, Why am I allowing this to make me feel this way? Because we want to empower people to understand that you are in control of your emotions if you practice and work toward that. We call it emotional management because there's really nothing that needs to be controlled, but most everything in our lives needs to be managed. And management has been judged many times as a masculine thing, but I really want to look deeper into that to see the feminine energy that is normally the feminine energy that manages people in situations because you have to be flexible, you have to be communicative, and that's not really a strength of the masculine energy. 
So I think, again, changing our perception of words can change the energy, can change how we relate to it, and more importantly, can change how we can utilize it. So learning to manage these emotions and practice daily for them not to affect you is a big part of the work. And again, when you're doing the so-called work, that should mean that you're doing something that you don't enjoy or that is challenging for you. That's how you know that you're doing something. Just like if you want to have a certain type of body, normally working out is part of that. And you have to put a lot of effort over a long period of time to truly get the results that you have as a goal in mind. But along the way, you will get results if you're patient enough. And that's the way this type of internal work is as well. You practice something for a hundred times and we're repetitious beings, you will be better at it after you practice. But we've just got to really step into the doing part of all of this conversation to daily or weekly at least to be doing intentionally in all five levels. And we've got some exciting things in the future to share with people. So let's talk about what makes up the work in a relationship. And this is something that we may have touched upon in a prior episode, but let's unpack it all now where we're talking about how there's two types of work that go into working on a conscious or intentional relationship. Yes. With an intentional relationship, the main two parts of the work is communication and intimacy, but only at certain levels because we have a level of intimacy we need to work on receiving and being able to give ourselves. So intimacy isn't limited to only needing somebody else to work on because we can work on it ourselves as well, but only to a certain level. And many people are doing what they would call relationship work And I think, again, it's creating frustration because they're trying to work this out with another person when they haven't gotten it clear with themselves yet. And so everything beyond communication and deep levels of intimacy is individual self-development work. And your partner is just there to play roles for you to activate these triggers and The goal is that you love this person, you know and can accept that they're not just being mean to you, they're bringing these feelings up or emotions up in you for you to learn to manage. And that's done step by step per event. You just work, as soon as you recognize that you have activated and gotten frustrated or angry or upset, you remove yourself from the situation in a kind and loving way. And you have a discussion beforehand that this is part of conscious relationships, that you don't try to resolve the issue when there are emotions present. You're also not running from the situation because as you're removing yourself, one or the other sets a time in the near future and a day for this to be discussed again. So everyone knows, hey, this is important to me and I want to resolve this, but we need to take some time to come back together as non-emotional as possible to really discuss what happened. And so, see, that can sound um, simple from a certain standpoint. But when you're in the middle of that emotion, that's why you've got to have that agreement that we're not going to do this to each other. 
We're never going to get resolve in this manner. What somebody's going to do is they're going to give in. So whoever's the bully wins in those situations, but nobody really wins. So one person stuffs and builds resentment, and the other person, you know, feeds their ego. And equality very rarely is going to come out of those ingredients. So here it's recognizing that the emotions have shown up. It's not a judgment It's accepted by both parties that we just need to pause the communication. Some people have a lot of trouble cutting their words off. So again, this is the usefulness of knowing your cosmic makeup because you may have a little bit more of a struggle in that than your partner, but that doesn't mean you should do it less because they're going to have problems in other areas that's easier for you. So see, this is no competition here. It's a support You're looking to support the person you love while accepting that they're going to trigger all of your old stuff from your life before them. And the key is that when we resolve the old past stuff, the present situations stop needing to be created. So this is how we work with family lineage and relationship work and even assisting with healing and working with traumas. It's all interconnected and we're just in present day playing out these stories over and over with sometimes many different uh, people. And that's where people can get disgusted with relationships and say, why even try? Because I just attract the same kind of guy over and over. Well, there's a reason for that. And that's what we're trying to get clear on. In case it needs to be said, if somebody is in some sort of violent situation to seek help outside of what we're talking about. I know that probably needs to be said. We're not saying sit there while you're being hit. Yeah, we're not condoning any violence, certainly, but even suffering to understand that the point is to move beyond what you're experiencing. And if you're not able to move beyond it and to see benefits and it's getting better, then yes, please seek some more clinical type of help. So when you talked about resolve, I wanted you to come in and maybe share what conscious resolve would look like. And you did start mentioning it, but I also wanted to bring in that sacrifice and compromise should not be part of that. We've done a whole episode on that, and that link will be in the notes if anybody wants to listen to that. Yes, I do agree that this is important to keep sacrifice and compromise out of it because that's what builds resentment over time. And the way you keep those out is that you really work to be at peace with anything that you agree to. Anything that, like when people are first getting together, they say all types of things. They're like in the dreamy world. And then, of course, as time goes on, there's a lot thrown back and saying, well, you said you was going to do this and you never did this and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of judgment. So the more real we can stay from the beginning, the less the obstacles are down the road. And That means practicing standing in your power, practicing standing in your self-worth, and knowing that the right person will like you for you when you find them. But if you don't show them you and you're catering to them, then you're going to get tired of that. So in a more conscious type of what a conscious resolve would look like is, say, Bill and Tammy are together and... Bill says something derogatory to Tammy, and Tammy reacts. 
and calls him a name back. And they get into name calling. And about three names into it, Tammy realizes that she's very upset. And so she says, can we just talk about this tomorrow after work? I'm going to go take a bath and take some time to myself. And you please go enjoy something that you will enjoy. I look forward to resolving this with you. And then they go to their separate corners, so to say. She goes, has a bath. He goes, watch the football game. They go to bed that night. They have an agreement to never go to bed mad. So they tell each other that they love each other. And they look forward to working out the situation tomorrow. They both have, say, all day to contemplate, to work through processing what was said, what they want to say, what they were really wanting to say, what they really meant to say, and choose the words much nicer. It's suggested maybe to make some notes, either vocal notes or writing them down. And then they come together that night after work. They have a nice meal together. They ask each other about their day. And then after everything is cleaned up, they go in and they sit. And before turning a TV on or anything like that, any distraction, they sit and agree to discuss this situation for a certain amount of time. I like to suggest no more than 30 minutes. If you can't resolve something in really less than 15 minutes, you probably should move on. But I'm going to give a realistic time frame of 30 minutes. And if it's something bigger, then you may want to give it more time and just say, hey, can we try to give this at least an hour to see how much we can work out? And so that has a possibility to come to a resolve. If both parties share what they really meant and it's received and they can get past the words that were said, then that party has an opportunity to move beyond that. And every time they practice that rotation of events, they'll get better at it. And they won't need to wait necessarily to the next day. They'll eventually get to where she can go take a bath, he can go watch the game for about 30 minutes, and then they might be able to come back together, resolve it in five minutes, and move on. So the thing is to see that separation in time is very, very important in conscious communication because you're being energetically influenced by each other. And once again, we can show this on the human design in a session, how you're affecting each other. And some people get affected mentally and overpowered by their partner's mental power, so to say, unknowingly, and they can't even think around that person. That's realistic. Some people get overly emotional around certain type of people we got to get away from viewing ourselves as or comparing ourselves because we're all very individually designed differently. And we've been forced to try to fit into these molds and the molds are just cracking. They don't work anymore. So this is the pathway to complete individualization of understanding your makeup and how you react and respond in certain situations around certain people. And if both parties in the relationship are looking to do that, then it can be an amazing experience that you're actually working on these situations to lessen them than what most people do is they try to avoid them because they think they're never going to stop. So they just learn to keep stuff from each other, to basically live around each other, but not creating any intimacy. And this work is all about creating intimacy, not just with somebody else, but with yourself and with the divine as well.
So the time spent away also allows the emotions to calm and we can return to grounded by doing something that we love, like you gave good examples of that. But also it allows us time to remove ourselves from the external because when we're in that argument, all we want to do is point out what that other person is doing to us. And when we pull ourselves back and we're internal, we can then look at the roles that we are playing for each other, but also possibly reflect on what in our past is bringing up the emotion that we're currently experiencing. Yes, exactly. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because that was the next thing that I was going to, that part of the next step is to stop projecting. And so when people separate many times, they just want to brood over what the other person is doing wrong. And here you do the exact opposite. You reflect and go, what are their actions or who are their actions reminding me of from my past? So with the lady Tammy in this situation, he may be reminding her of her father that was demeaning or talked down to her her whole life, and she may have just misunderstood her husband. And, but it hit an emotional trigger, and see, he don't really even know the battle that he's fighting, but he's fighting one. He's just defending, basically. And when you get two people that are defending themselves— they don't even need a subject to really be fighting about. They're just in defense. Unfortunately, this happens very often, and we got to learn to realize that we all have these triggers, and they happen in different situations and with different people, and it's not a self-judgment. It's just that we have to work on our sensitivity to these triggers, and that's what the self-development work does is over long periods of time, it can equal lasting results of not being triggered by that word or by that phrase or by that action. And if you truly love somebody, then you should be willing to work with them with your language, with your actions to not trigger them as much. So see, the agreement is, oh, I see that that is a trigger for you, that if I talk to you in a certain tone that you feel like you're being talked down to. See, it may not even matter about the words. It's just this tone. And I hear plenty of women say that, yeah, he has this tone. And that's probably an association with a tone, like I said, from either a a past relationship or the father. And all he's got to do is when he starts to say something to just, just take a breath and he will say it differently by just taking that breath and still say the same words and it can be received very differently. And then if he does say it quickly and in that tone, she can stop whatever she's doing, take a breath, which is the first step in all of this work, learn to take a breath before responding to anything or anyone. And in that breath, she can realize, oh, that sounds like my dad. That's not what he's doing. You know what, babe, I'm going to go take a bath and I'll be back very shortly. And then she goes in there and she does some forgiveness work around her dad. And then that's going to take the energy away and the focus away from her husband. And then they can get together after that bath and he may apologize. And she has the opportunity to say, no, I just I just took what you said the wrong way. And thank you. Thank you for playing that role. And that's what I like to finally get to is that you're actually thanking the person for being that that you used to despise because you're working together as a team. 
Come on, people. That's what relationships was meant to be, is that you're working together on the same team. And we have so much competitive energies in our relationships. And that normally comes from people not being clear in who they are, what they're passionate about, and what they're interested in exemplifying. Our three questions for the self. And that thank you is very close to building the respect aspect that we've talked about is possibly the most important part of a relationship. Yeah, because once you stop seeing your partner as your competition and vice versa, and you're looking to be on the same team, and this is something else we brought up this morning when you came over talking about some videos that are on TikTok and different platforms like that to where partners just pick on each other and do pranks and stunts and some of them are like mean even but see that is normally relationships that are not going toward intimacy they've reached the level that one or both are comfortable with and they're not going to go beyond that and what we're talking about here is that you get away from all of that you don't want your partner to be on guard with you You want to have competition in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. Go play a sport. Go find some people to burn that energy off with. Go lift weights and compete with yourself. Go play disc golf is one of the things that I enjoy to compete with myself, to try to get better on certain courses over periods of time, not to compete against people that I'm playing with. They're my friends. I don't see that as competition. So see, it's really just a whole different view of how you start looking at relationships and the roles that you want to play in those relationships. Now, what about a situation if you feel like the person you're with is doing something that's pretty detrimental um, to the relationship and you've tried to work on your acceptance around it, but it doesn't seem to be making a difference and maybe you haven't reached that level of acceptance that we talked about in a prior episode because you're you still don't want it to go on like right, you still right. want it to you stop. you're not getting to neutral and acceptance is about being at neutral so a lot of people that is the sacrifice and the compromise they bite their tongue they don't say anything but they walk away upset about it and then they talk about it the next day to a friend or somebody and they just regenerate being upset about it that's not acceptance And so that's more of stuffing, and it's going to come back. So, yeah, this gets back to self-development work is working on that acceptance that you want for that person what they want for themselves. And if you can't accept this action, then maybe you shouldn't be with this person. And you have to decide whether your happiness in the relationship is dependent on them changing. I wouldn't suggest that. Because a lot of us can see potential in someone, but if it's not at least in accordance with their divine makeup or cosmic makeup, which we reveal through the human design and the destiny card system, then it's an extremely small likelihood that they will change in that direction. At least if it's in their makeup, they have the universe supporting them to go in that direction. So what we want and how we want our relationships to be is what keeps most people from finding contentment because I have experienced myself and worked with many, many people that find what they're looking for only when they're not looking for it. And it shows up. 
And that's because they were focused on themselves and focusing on fulfilling themselves. And so they could invite in, from an attraction standpoint, a person at a different stage of their life that's maybe in more resonance. And so those two people can see their opposites and can want to work on it, utilizing each other to help each other with these weaknesses. And that's beautiful when I do see from time to time that type of communication happening in a relationship. That's one of my favorite things to experience on the planet. And also, the more that you accept what that person is doing, hoping that it does eventually, the the resistance goes away and it no longer persists, doesn't that take a little bit of the intimacy away? Yes, that's an, another great point to bring up that, unfortunately, we're always looking at the high side and low side of every subject or every energy. And when we are working on acceptance for ourselves to get to that neutral point, Normally, we have to pull away some intimacy toward uh, that person because that's what, even in sacrifice and compromise and acceptance, all of that, there has to be an adjustment made. And sometimes that adjustment can be corrected down the road, and sometimes it can't because if the person keeps making adjustments, or here we're using the term loosely accepting, but they're really stuffing, See, they're not helping their partner to change any, and then they're going to turn resentful and bitter. But if they are truly working on acceptance and say they have to go through, say, five situations to work on it affecting them less and less and less, and they may be pulling away knowingly or unknowingly from intimacy from that person, but then they can finally get to a point of acceptance in it and neutrality. And make the connection of something is connected from their past and a past situation. And they go through emotional processing to release that old past stuff. Then see, their partner could continue to do that action, but they would perceive it completely different from that point on. And so now, no one had to change, but the perception of what's happening changed drastically, which is what is the most important is not actually what's happening out here in the world, but people's perception of what's happening out here in the world. And this is why the emotions cloud the perception. And so in order to be in a conscious relationship, we have to be able to see it outside of the emotions. That doesn't mean we're not emotional people. We also work with and teach emotional processing. We're very accepting of the emotions That's why, again, we're taking the competition out. It's not to get away from emotions. It's to embrace them at a deeper level and respect them all. And if that person does work on that emotional reaction and traces it back to their past and works on starting to heal and manage that situation, any resistance that built up within in that situation with that person saying, why do you keep doing this? Can you stop doing this? Because that reaction is only going to push that person farther away from coming to terms with what they're doing and to fix it. Because I feel judged. I haven't ran across anybody that gets incentive off of judgment. There's a lot of people that say when people doubt them, that gives them incentive. But see, doubt and judgment are two different things. Judgment is something very hard to push through. But there are people that can use doubt 
to incentivize them. So that's why in the spiritual practice of this work, the spiritual side or the spiritual level, we have just three main components again. That's non-judgment, practicing faith, and practicing trust. And that non-judgment is so important both for yourself and for those around you because, yes, we push those around us from getting better at stuff if they feel judged from us. And that's a very important thing and to understand that we judge externally to whatever level we judge internally. So if you're around somebody that's very judgmental, just understand that they're probably 10 times as judgmental on themselves, whether they show it or not. And many times these are the people that suffer in private and other people can think externally that they're very strong, but really they're very weak. They just don't show that balanced uh, part of them. And just two other ways to look at that perspective of non-judgment and bring that into a situation in a relationship is that everything is in divine order, whether I understand it or not, or everybody can be your teacher or everything if you're looking for that. Yeah, that's two of our five pillars, and they fit exceptionally well. And also the second pillar of duality versus polarity to see that, you know, We have to experience polarities to know one. We have to know both. And the yin and the yang symbol is such a beautiful example of that, that together they create a whole, but they're exact opposites in color and shape, but yet they fit together to create this, you know, perfect, near-perfect union. And that's what I hope to show as we celebrate our individualism It isn't to separate us. It's actually to bring more compassion and to be able to look at each individual as a different set of frequencies. And we're getting further and further away from that. And that's why our external systems are are crumbling. And so the old ways are falling away. But the more exciting side is what are the new ways? And I feel very confident that this is certainly one of the ways. It's not the way. It's just another way. And in a past episode, we talked about how to overcome that feeling of being stuck. And I think we never got around to mentioning in depth that feeling stuck in a relationship. And many of the examples we talked about today in this episode, you can feel stuck if your partner keeps doing something that you don't want them to do, but you also love them. And so you're stuck in that, that back and forth. What do I do? You know, I can't live with this, but I can't live without this, that paradigm wants become a big part of this because you want it to be different right but the reality is it's not and can you invest in potential do you think that you'll be able to convince Mm -hmm. them to change all of these are funny to me because i've had some experiences just like this i've been able to see it a different way because I, i can admit that prior to my experiences if i would have seen externally or observed somebody in this type of situation or if a friend asked me what they should do, I'd be like, what do you do? Just get out of the relationship. Like it makes sounds easy. They're like, yeah. yeah. But when you're in it and you're stuck in that, that quandary, that's a good word for it. Uh, very intellectual word, Alexander. (laughs) But yeah, if you're stuck in that want and that not wanting to let go of your wants, Mm -hmm. it can be hell. It can. And unfortunately there's a lot of people out there going through similar things. But one thing that I want to suggest again is to the importance of understanding your cosmic makeup. Because that's what I suggest to people if they say, can I do this? 
And I want to give everybody hope. But at the same time, if the universe is supporting somebody to stick with it and stick that out in their design, their cosmic design, then I'm going to be a whole lot more hopeful. If I'm going, oh, you've got to work against your partner and you're kind of working against your natural makeup or the support of the universe, that's going to be very hard. Again, nothing's impossible. But see, I think it's important to know the battle that you got ahead because shouldn't the important thing be to stay in love with that person, whether you're with them or not? That everybody isn't meant to be together in intimate relationships that have connections. There's many different types of connections and the more people get into subtle energy and talking about subtle energy, many times they misinterpret subtle energy just like they misinterpret words or actions. And a lot of times we are attracted or subtly pulled to somebody, but that doesn't mean that we were meant to be together romantically and it's misread all the time. We can literally show it in a visual with the human design of more than likely what this person is lighting up in you. So we can even give questions to ask that person so you can confirm that, oh, this is an energetic thing and they're filling a void in me that I'm aware that I have. So see, I'm going to be much less susceptible to their manipulation being just aware of that. But you'll still feel the pull. You'll still feel that pull. So this is a great piece of education to just help people to see that when you really look at these five levels, and most of our culture is focused on the physical and the mental. But when you bring in that emotional level and the energetic and the spiritual, it helps you to be such a more well-rounded person and affected by situations and people to a less degree. And the more you practice that, just the better you get at it, the faster you're able to process all that. And if two people are doing that work together, it's phenomenal. So to your question or to your statement is, yes, that is hell when you want to save somebody or basically you want somebody to just be a little bit different. And if they were just different in this way, they would be ideal. But the key is that I don't know that the ideal really exists, but people still look for it. And I've been very guilty of looking for the ideal for most of my life. And that leads to my Western astrology, the Virgo, the perfectionism, it would keep me from enjoying much at all in life. And that's the way that I was in my early 20s, through most of my 20s, until I started practicing this work. And now I'm much more happier, but I have less wants. And when you learn that this life is guiding you if you're willing to listen and be in alignment with what's being supported, there's much more contentment to be found in not chasing what you think that you want. And I've also proven that normally when people get what they think that they want, like a college degree or a job or a certain person as a relationship, yeah, it doesn't wind up being what they thought it was going to be. So this is a place to question those wants and learn to pay more attention to your needs and how much in alignment you are with what's happening. So I wanted to go back to that energetic pull that you were talking about and just clarify, because in our relationships, I think that energetic pull is a part of that. So you are more or less just saying that 
like if you're married and you're walking down the street and you feel like these energetic pulls, it doesn't mean that you need to be in a relationship with those people. It doesn't mean leave your husband for these people because you felt something, right? Right, right. And that can happen quite often. And it can just be literally a feeling of energetic voids that you have. Like, for example, the human design chart has nine centers or chakras. And wherever you're white in those centers, you're like a sponge or you're empathic. So the more that somebody fills up your white centers, the more you feel connected to them, the more they make you feel alive, the more you feel like you've known them in past lives. I've just heard it so many different ways. And I'm going, well, I mean, maybe that does happen, but it would be more realistic if you had these centers filled in. And you weren't being affected by this other person's energy. You were truly experiencing what I call is a sensing instead of energetic pull. So they're two different things. And many energetic pulls get misconstrued as these deeper connections. And it's been confusing for a lot of people throughout the years. And when you get into the human design and destiny cards, you realize that there are only so many types of energies out there. I guess the there's unlimited combinations, but if I have a certain level of attraction to somebody who has a non-activated throat chakra or somebody who is a 10 of diamonds or something, those are just examples, there are a number of people out there who have those certain attributes. So I may feel similar to that. Yes. So that just puts it into perspective that because you're feeling something for somebody and if we can show that it's energetic, that doesn't mean that you're only going to feel that for that one person. Right, right. And I'll expand on that and to a point to say that if physical attraction is someone's main avenue toward relationship, just because they're physically attracted to somebody does not mean that that person is going to be a good person, does not mean that they're going to have the same morals or same values. So see... The experience of that person, they can go and get married, love at first sight and get married and live with the person two days and be like, oh, no, they're so attractive, but I can't be in a relationship with this person. See, most people in the so-called spiritual or energetic world, they don't see that the energy is the same way. You could be energetically drawn and connected to somebody. But then, yeah, you go try to develop a relationship with them, and they don't have anything else to connect to. And so, yes, there's not a limit to the amount of people that you're going to have that kind of connection to. And the actuality is, is the less of a big deal you make about it, the more of it you experience. I can tell attractive people or people that I find attractive, but as soon as I see them as physically attractive, I just drop it as that. That's just one-fifth of the package and more than likely anytime somebody focuses on one area to a large degree such as their physical beauty they're normally lacking in these other four areas so see that's not a judgment it's just that you can't develop but so much you only have so much energy to put towards something and the more you put toward one single area the more voids there are going to be in other areas so making that comparison and, yes, get into the subtle energy world. I'm all about it. I live it every day. And when these connections happen, I recognize them. But I don't get overly excited just like if I meet an attractive person. 
My job is not to allow that to affect my field, to affect my emotions, because, again, I don't know this person. This is just one thing, and energetically being drawn to something or someone or feeling connected from past lives and that kind of thing is just a very small amount of information. And relationships, true, intimate, and conscious relationships are built on the whole package. I always say to myself or other people that we only have so many attribute points here, and not everybody can be a 10 on all the levels. And I feel like the universe is almost like a self-correcting mechanism because if somebody is like a 10 in physical, like you said, you mentioned that maybe they wouldn't work on it. Well, they wouldn't work on it because the world isn't reacting to them where they have to work on it. They're getting stuff handed to them because they're attractive, Mm -hmm. so they don't have the need to work on these other things. But if somebody is a 10 on the mental level, a a thinker, they're probably not going to care about their appearance. Mm -hmm. So it it all balances out in the long run, right? Yeah, yeah. And it does come down to just not being overly swayed by any one of these levels. Same thing spiritually or religious. Sometimes people will meet somebody and just because they go to church, that's what they'll base the whole relationship off of. But there's All these other levels, and people can be very guilty in the the so-called spiritual community, too, meeting at events and just feeling like they've met somebody that's into a similar interest, and maybe they just come from a relationship to where their partner wasn't interested at all. So, see, that's going to magnify. Anytime you're coming from a void in a relationship, it's going to magnify the attraction when that shows up for you. And again, the main point of this work is always being able to find neutral to make sure that it's pure so you're not being manipulated or fooling yourself. Yeah, because that can lead to the, oh, it's meant to be, and then you uproot your life for that it's meant to be when it was really some sort of emotional misunderstanding, energetic misunderstanding. Yeah, energetic misunderstanding, emotional, uh, mental, spiritual, or physical. All of those happen all the time, but normally... Where people mess up is they don't take the time, especially in this time and age and with our young people, they don't take the time to get to know someone. They're just going for that experience, that initial gratification that our culture has taught them in every area of their life. So, of course, it's going to bleed over into sex, but sex is different from intimacy and it gets confused So people stop working on intimacy because sex is so easy to experience and it's less complicated. So we've got a a very big issue with the pandemic and everything we've dealt with of people not being able to get together. But then the people that do get together, there's not very much intimacy being developed. It's very lighthearted connections and sexual experiences. And so I think as time goes on, we're going to see that the wiser people move towards conscious experiences rather than just experiences that never fulfill. And these experiences aren't external. It's the inner work that changes the way that we perceive our external. And that's what we're so excited about here in the Wise Wise. So we'll raise our glasses, and here's to this episode stimulating more intimacy, and hopefully couples will listen to this together. We also did talk about a lot of different things from past episodes. So the list of links in the show notes will be pretty long for everybody to listen to to get more in-depth with those topics. 
And so if couples want to do this together, this can be a date night maybe for everybody out there. And please stay tuned for upcoming workshop on conscious communication and relationships. And we look forward to connecting with people via Zoom and all over the world. And I do also want to come in right before we end this and say that if anybody out there wants assistance in discovering their energetic makeup and their significant other, Alexander is here to help you out with that, to generate your human design chart, give you a reading, and also get you a destiny card report. Yes, reach out at alexander at thejustphilosophy.com. Or visit his website at thejustphilosophy.com for more on those events that he just mentioned. All right. Thank you for listening and working on you. And stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.